Well done as only Sam can. There is our passage for the day. Uh, Something feels weird about a kid dressed up super nice sitting next to pigs. And I think this passage is supposed to uh, have a bit of a contradictory feeling in our minds and in our hearts as we read it. And it's a passage that comes right after Jesus' most, uh, some of his more famous words, judge not that you be not judged. And last week, we looked at that passage and um, what it does mean and what it doesn't mean. And uh, we talked about what it doesn't mean, judge not that you be not judged. What it doesn't mean is that Christians can't have a standard of right and wrong. And we do have a standard. We have a universal standard that transcends time and transcends culture, the scriptures, What that passage doesn't mean is uh, that Christians can't confront uh, their brothers or sisters caught in sin. No, we are to do that in love and grace. What it doesn't mean is that Christians can't ever change their behavior uh, based upon how somebody else acts. And sometimes we'll say, no, you're just judging me. Well, at times, as Christians, we ought to exercise uh, confrontation appropriately and in grace to each other. Here's what it doesn't mean. Or what it does mean. Do not judge that you be not judged does mean that as Christians, we don't have the right or the authority to judge in the sense of condemning spiritually another person. That we don't have the place to shame or punish spiritually another individual. That those are not the currencies of the cross, as we said it last week. That the currencies of the cross are love and grace. And when we see a brother or sister in sin, our response to them should be as Christ was to us, love and grace. Now, immediately after that, Jesus speaks what seems to be contradictory words. I mean, if you read the text, not even carefully, just casually, he calls people dogs and pigs. And it seems slightly judgmental. So what did Jesus mean? What was this text about? And, and what was he trying to teach? And by the way, if you don't know me, my name is Stephen. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, glad that you've decided to join us. We're wrapping up a series called Exceedingly Righteous. This is our summer series. We started in June, first week. We're ending in the last week of August. Uh, and uh, for those of us who have been here over the summer, I hope this has been a helpful series in teaching us what it looks like to have the righteousness of Christ. And we wrap up this week, and I think it's a great place to wrap up and uh, where it will send us for the rest of our year together. We have to see the placement of this text as very important. Now, in this text, we see five different subjects, five different elements. The first is the caster or the thrower. Somebody is giving, casting, throwing. That's the first one. And then we see two animals, dogs and pigs. We'll talk about those in a moment. And then we see what they're casting, things that are holy or pearls. Now, when Jesus says confusing things, what we're supposed to assume is that they're parables. It says in other places in Scripture that that's how Jesus taught. And so we're to assume here that these are parables, two of them, in fact, very short ones back to back. Now, this is a personal thing, not necessarily like a theological standard. But for me, when I read a parable, I almost read it as if I were reading the Old Testament. And here's what I mean by that. When you properly read the Old Testament, you see it from two different perspectives. The first is to ask the question, and I think it's a right and fair question to ask, what wisdom can be gleaned from these stories? 
It's a level one way of reading the Old Testament or understanding a parable. There are practical uh, wisdom. There's practical wisdom in there to grasp on, to hold on to. That is biblical, godly wisdom. That's one way to do it. It's the, the first level. Uh, but it's not the ultimate level. And it's not where we stop. See, oftentimes if we just stop there, then a teaching or a sermon, all it becomes is a moralistic guide on how to live life. There's a deeper level. There's something else that we must go after. Not just stopping there, but ultimately seeing how the parable is fulfilled or the Old Testament story in Jesus. How the gospel comes out of it. By the way, if you're reading through the Old Testament, you think, I don't understand it. Read it this way. See how every story points to Jesus, how it screams out the gospel. This is the deeper, the better way. So this morning, we'll do the same. We're going to try to see this story and this, uh, these parables from every perspective. We're going to try to see the wisdom that they teach us. And there is wisdom. What almost seems to us as Christians contradictory wisdom, the type of wisdom that sometimes we think, I don't know if we're allowed to do this. It seems mean. And then we'll have to see ultimately, how does it point us to Jesus? How does it melt our hearts with his love and his grace? So this is our aim. At the beginning, in the first level, you can see the caster as you. Is you. Jesus is talking to other people and other humans, and he's saying, you, don't ever. The words that he used, if you look back, this word forgive or, or throw, cast, uh, whatever translation you're using might say, uh, is a very strong word. And so right from the beginning, that the people who were listening, uh, their ears would have perked up because Jesus was using strong language, a command, uh, the, the do not throw or do not cast. Uh, we would say it in English like, don't ever or never, ever do this. We would be strong. Anyone who would hear it would think, whoa, 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 whoa. What is coming next? And whatever it is, I better not. So he says, never, or don't ever cast or throw. He's going to point out two things, those which is holy and pearls. Let's start with that which is holy. This word holy is hagios in the Greek, and what it means is something that is essential or pivotal. Something set apart. Something spiritually essential to your life. And what might that be? It could be a variety of different things. That which is holy for you might be uh, the, the spiritual wisdom that God has given you through years of life. That which is holy um, for you, it might be the, the spiritual gift that God has given you and wants you to use. Um, that which is holy might just be your righteousness, your holiness, your pursuit of him holy things, things that are essential to the makeup of who you are, who God has made you to be. And God says this, don't ever give that which is holy to dogs, or kunin in the Greek. And uh, what most commentators believe this word is referring to, and this is where the tension begins to arise in our modern senses, you can't call somebody a dog. That's not Jesus-like. This word, kunin, um, referred to like a wild packs of dogs that would um, run around these cities, oftentimes diseased, traveling in packs. And this is what their aim was, to get in places they weren't supposed to be to obtain things that weren't theirs. Let me say that again. To get into places they weren't supposed to be to obtain or destroy things that weren't theirs. 
And so uh, people would build walls, fences, gates, in order to keep the dogs out, literal dogs out, from getting into gardens or, or houses, farms, and destroying. And Jesus says, don't give what is holy to those who try to get where they're not supposed to be to take what was never theirs. So where's the wisdom in this passage? How do we evaluate this, knowing full well that we have doggish tendencies ourselves? I'll admit mine first. I can look back in seasons of life and realize where I was as doggish as anybody. And where I wanted to be in places I wasn't supposed to be, climb things I wasn't yet supposed to climb, get in and take what yet wasn't supposed to be mine. So what is Jesus, what wisdom is he granting here? I think part of this is a warning to the church, the church in general. The church is often a place where um, people who aren't supposed to be in certain places try to get to take things that they're not supposed to have. Oftentimes you can sense this because there's zero ability to submit to authority. It's all about them, their talent, their gift, what they can do. It's always about elevating up and not serving down. You might see this in your family. You might see it in your marriage or your business. People trying to break in to get to places they're not supposed to be. I mean, if we looked at this from a marriage perspective, you know what the dog is. It's the person who tries to break into a marriage that has no right. Whatever that might look, what do you do in that case? You build a wall. You put up a gate. You put up a fence. You do whatever you can to make sure it doesn't break in. Jesus is warning us in that spiritually, saying, watch out. Watch out for those who would try to leverage your spiritual gift for their own gain. Watch out for those who would try to sneak in and not care about the family of the church, the culture, the values, and just elevate themselves. Why? Because Jesus sees the damage of what happens when dogs go unchecked. They trample. They destroy. They ruin. And oftentimes we look in and we say, well, this isn't nice. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Better to keep the dog out than to let the family suffer and be destroyed. There's a spiritual wisdom that Jesus is teaching here that I think is only best discerned by the Holy Spirit. In practice, I think that can be applied to every area of life. Another way of looking at this might be for you personally. Uh, there are things that have occurred in your life. It could be sin. It could just be what God has taught you. It could just be what God is working through in you. And I think a warning in this would be, be careful on who you share it with. Be careful on who you let in to certain places of your life. And be careful because of the havoc that might come. For those of us who are single, what a great warning that people would try to come in and get into places where they shouldn't be, whether that's physical or emotional, to take something that isn't theirs. To be weary of this. To watch, to ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom in this. He moves on then. He gives another parable. 
He says, in the same way you shouldn't do that, he says, don't throw your pearls before pigs. What are pearls? We know in nature, of course, what pearls are. They're rare. They're valuable. They're hard to obtain. There's a a process that's difficult in order to get it. So spiritually, what is the pearl? Well, the pearl is something spiritually that, that you've obtained that was not easy to obtain. It might be the the wisdom that you learned through life's experiences or the character that is formed in you through uh, persecution or trial. Maybe the, uh, the integrity that you've now arrived at only because you hit rock bottom. The pearl is that which God has blessed you with that was hard to obtain. And a warning here, maybe particularly to younger people, um, only because I've sensed this, and if I look back, um, honestly, I can look at my own life and see the seasons of my doggish or piggish tendencies. Um, Let me give a warning to younger people, there's a lot of us here, not to be doggish or piggish. By the way, what is the pig? The pig is driven by one thing and one thing only. What? It's appetite. It's appetite. The pig remains stagnant, uninterested, until something is placed in front of it that it wants to consume. And then all of a sudden, it is driven to activity. The pig never stops and says, thank you for this food. The pig doesn't think, I wonder what the farmer is sacrificing in order to bring me this. The pig doesn't think, how is this affecting everybody else around me? The pig only thinks, what is in front of me? What can I consume? Said another way, the pig consumes but doesn't contribute. Consumes without any consideration of how it is affecting anyone who is around them. The warning then to those of us who are young, younger, is to not be doggish in this way. That when there are those who are older than us, who offer us pearls of wisdom, who offer um, holy things that have occurred in them, their perspective or their story, there's this doggish tendency to think, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I get that. No, 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 you don't understand. I already understand that. And to think that, uh, that at our young age, we understand what someone is saying at an older age already. And here's what you'll learn as you get older, by the way. You can say the same thing, and it means one thing at 20 and something completely different at 30 and 40 and 50 and 60. That when a 20-year-old looks in and says, God's been faithful in difficulty. And when a 60-year-old leans in and says, God's been faithful in difficulty. Oh, That means such a different thing. That's a pearl to grab onto, to hold onto, not to trample over, not to dismiss as fruitless advice. Pigs can show up in the church, oink. I had to oink at least once. Pigs can show up in the church. They like to give when their name will be on something. They like to serve when it's the cool thing to do and might be on Instagram. They like to be around and consume and consume and consume and never contribute. 
in a family, there are elements in a family that don't contribute. Let's go through the list. The pet doesn't contribute. The baby doesn't contribute other than cuteness, which is valuable. At times, the extreme elderly don't contribute, and that's okay. And then there are seasons when there might be someone in your family who doesn't contribute for a season. And it's understood. You look and you think, okay, yes, this makes sense. Like, you need a season of healing and recovery. Take a break. We got you. Right? But then what happens when that season comes to an end? What happens? And there's an expectation that they would regain contribution, that they would begin contributing again, that they would step up. I think in the warning to the church here, Jesus would say that a season of pure consumption at some point must come to an end. There must then be contribution to the family, into the kingdom. Now this perspective on the story is slightly challenging. It might make us stop and consider who it is that we're investing in or uh, pouring our lives into. It might make us pause and say, okay, uh, my time is a pearl. It's valuable. Who am I going to give that to? And these are good, fair questions to ask. I don't think they're unlike Jesus. He chose three instead of all of them. He told some people, why don't you just keep walking instead of following immediately? And he had divine plan. So there's wisdom to be sought in this. But let's look at it from a second perspective. In this second perspective, you're going to remain the caster. You're still the one throwing. But I want you to imagine that you walked up into a farm environment and you saw somebody and they're standing by the pig pen. And you walked up to them and they're standing by the pig pen and they have a beautiful pearl necklace. And as you walk up and you stand next to them and they're by the pig pen and they have the beautiful pearl necklace uh, and the pigs are up there oinking and they grab their pearls and they just start throwing them into the pig pen. What would you do? Would you go down and look at the pig and say, you're stupid, I'm giving up on you. Would you blame the pig for not eating the pearl? Why are you hungry? There's a pearl in front of you. Eat it. Now, the, the pig can't digest a pearl. It has no value to it. See, there's a second level that we have to see this passage. We have to see this passage from almost a ridiculous way of Jesus saying, don't throw your pearls before pigs. Don't let the wild dogs into your bedroom. Well, duh. Thank you, Jesus. But what he's insinuating is that we do. Is that we do. And what he's challenging, I think, underneath the wisdom, what he's challenging underneath is not you showing discernment in who you invest in. It's not you showing discernment in, in, in who you let close. It's not you asking, am I a dog or a pig when it comes to my connection to the church family? That's great. Uh, what's underneath that is Jesus saying this. Are you showing discernment? Are you looking at wisdom in the way you present that which is holy, in the way you give out the pearl? 
Let me say this another way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all know the scripture that says that when you share your faith, people might hate you because of Jesus. And if they do hate you because of Jesus, you get heaven points. It's great. When they hate you because of you and how you present Jesus, you don't get the same points. See, there's a tendency, I believe, and we have to see how Jesus ties these passages together. He's just gotten done talking about what? Do not judge. Don't offer shame. Don't punish people spiritually. Don't be self-righteous hypocrite. And then, as soon as he gets done talking and teaching through that, he goes, well, now let's talk about how you share your faith. Let's talk about how you give out biblical insight and wisdom. Let's talk about that. And now what he's doing is he's challenging us. He's challenging us to evaluate how it is that we represent him. How it is that we use the truth of scripture or present the gospel. And I think this is supposed to be a challenge. I think we are supposed to stop here and look. Let me give you a couple of examples of how this might look. Sometimes we say, well, I've told them everything in the Bible that they're doing wrong. Maybe you have. Guess what? It means nothing to them. Nothing. A friend of mine said it this way. Um, what a non-Christian does never surprises me. Yeah. And so the non-Christian is over there. And they're working this way. And you're over here and you're like, you know, the Bible says that's sin. You know, the Bible says that's wrong. You know, the Bible says, blah, whatever, fill in the blank, fill in the blank. And you, and you keep throwing the Bible verse over there, and the dog is over there just shredding it to pieces. And you're sitting here going over, what a dumb dog. No, 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 maybe the problem isn't how you're throwing, in what you're throwing. Sometimes we say it this way. Oh, you know what you grew up hearing. You should know better. You should know better. You grew up. Uh, favorite pastor of mine tells this story. He tells a story of a time when he was at a conference and an older pastor was telling a story. So I'm, a story, I'm telling a story about a pastor who was telling a story about a pastor. Okay, this is like Inception. Now, the story is that the pastor was talking about how he grew up in this church. And this church never preached the gospel. Never preached the gospel. He was so frustrated by it. Then he went off to seminary. And he went to seminary, and the seminary never preached the gospel. Never preached the gospel. And he'd read books and all of this stuff. And they never, ever preached the gospel. And then one day, he was reading the scriptures, and the gospel hit him. Oh, it hit him. And it broke him. The gospel the gospel, that he was more sinful than he could ever, ever imagine, but yet more loved. That grace had been extended to him, not because of what he grew up in, not because of any good deed he had ever done, but simply because God was good and loving and kind. And this gospel exploded in his heart, brought him to tears. He was broken by the beauty and the truth of a God who would love him in his sin and offer him such forgiveness and grace. And it broke him. So what'd he do? 
he ran back and he went to those churches and he said, why didn't you preach the gospel? He went to seminary. Why didn't you preach the gospel? And he went to his favorite professor and said, why didn't you preach the gospel? Then he went to his professor and he said, you know what's even crazy to me? Martin Luther didn't even preach the gospel. And his professor then in that moment knew what was happening. And he said, why don't you go back and read Luther's writings again? Why don't you just go back and read a couple of them? So the pastor went in and he began to read through the same readings that he had read before. Reading all that Luther had written. And he arrived at this conclusion. The gospel was on every page. And then he arrived at the conclusion that even at that church he grew up in, the gospel was in every sermon. And even as he was in seminary, the gospel was coming through every class. Uh, But he was just a pig at that time. And he couldn't consume it. He couldn't eat it. And so the pearl that was being thrown to him, it didn't look like a pearl. It looked like a rock. It didn't look like something beautiful. It didn't look like something he could consume. It looked like something that was attacking him. And when they looked up at the farmer, the caster of it, he didn't see somebody who was lovingly put something valuable at him. He saw somebody who was throwing something at him that he couldn't consume, that he couldn't grasp, that he couldn't eat, that had of zero value to him. Oh, but once he was changed, then he saw the value. Then he saw it. It's possible right now that what's happening in your life is there's people who don't like you. There's family that is separated from you. And what you say is, ah, it's because I'm a Christian. It's because I'm a Christian. That's why. That's why. Or, and I'm not saying this is every case, but or is it because you're up there and you think you're throwing pearls and you're just chucking rocks at people? You're just chucking rocks. So what does this mean? That we change the gospel? That we soften it? Of course not. Of course it doesn't mean that. What does it mean? What does it mean? It means with Holy Spirit wisdom and discernment, we ask ourselves, Jesus, how do I look at this person? Not with self-righteousness, but with deep humility, realizing that I was at one time the dog. I was at one time the pig. I had those tendencies, and the gospel finally broke in. Now, God, how do I, in love and grace, pour that out onto the person who's receiving it? How do I give them something that they can actually consume? What role do you want me to play in that? There's one other way we got to look at this passage before we're done. To me, it's the favorite way. In this case, you're not the caster anymore, which means you're not the main subject of the story. This time, you're the pig in the pen. You're the dog in the field. And there is something holy, something precious, something set apart, something so beautiful. There's a pearl so valuable, so rare, 
the hardest of all things to find. And there is a caster. And the caster is the Heavenly Father. And he throws what is most valuable, what is most holy. He throws it. Throws it to a group of people. A group of people who wouldn't understand the value. A group of people who were more driven by their appetite. A group of people who didn't care what havoc they left. And who were those people? Me and you. And the parable is right because what did we do to the pearl? What did we do to that which was most valuable, Jesus? We turned on it. We turned on him. And we trampled him. We trampled him under our sin. We trampled him by placing him on a cross. Even though it was the most beautiful thing, we destroyed it. See, there's another parable of a pearl. There's another one. It's in Matthew 13, and in this parable of the pearl, it says a guy found it, found the pearl, and what he did is he went and sold everything to obtain it. See, there's two looks at the gospel. There's two ways to see it. There's the pig way to see it that looks at it and asks, is this something I can consume? Is this something that I can take or grab or use for my benefit? Is that the point of this pearl in front of me? And sometimes we use God that way. We look at him and say, okay, are you something I can use? Are you something that can be uh, for my value and my benefit? Can you heal me? Can you make me feel better? Can you take away this pain? Is, is this pearl, is it, it, can it have value to me? Oh, and there's another way to look at the gospel. There's another way to look at the pearl. There's another way to look at Jesus. Not what do you do for me? But I will give up everything just to get it. I will sell everything to obtain it. It is not a means to an end. It is the end. And so I will sell all that I have just to grab the pearl, just to get Jesus. And that will be enough. This is the gospel.